Mine was only like 50 bucks. It's good. That Yeti she has is like 250 bucks. Is it? Yeah, I don't, I don't it's know. It's supposed to be really great, though. I don't mess around. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right here we are. We're here. You see, my background is like the quiz scene from Carmen Sandiego. Yeah. yeah. Uh, such a good game. <laughs> did you ever visit? Did you ever visit the World Trade Center before? Uh, I never did. No, I think I've been, I've walked past it, but no. I, yeah, I, I never, realize, I never, I didn't realize that was, that was the, the shot behind me here. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's the Statue of Liberty. She, I don't, whatever. That's um, not the right angle. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I was going to say. Like, I know that you can see one from the other, but that doesn't seem like the right angle. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I never, I never visited. I've been now since like, the new Freedom Tower, or whatever, but I, I never, I never visited beforehand. Would have been pretty cool. Well, Carmen San Diego was a global game, so this is obviously just one, one image. But the, we picked the global. I picked thought the global game made sense. Debbie covers like Debbie the planet. Yes, covers every every area of privacy there is, and has had this long, you know, kind of like winding career working with lots of different companies and marketing herself and created her own consultancy and she's a beast yeah she's a beast she's a beast look she's a she's a a entrepreneurial woman of color in like a very kind of like super competitive niche space did I lose you? I think I lost you. No, I'm here. I'm here. You know. Are you there? Bios. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's. I'm, I, I'm gonna put him on blast right now. Put him. Put him. Put him. Files on blast right now. You're on my shit. You're putting files on blast. Yeah. You're on my shit list. Yeah. No. It, well, here's the thing. Like, you've got Verizon FiOS, and I've got Comcast. And honestly, like, uh, don't even get me started on my relationship with Comcast. I mean, it's rough. It's, it's, rough. it's rough. It's it's like trying to get a hold of FiOS to tell them that your internet no. isn't working. It is the equivalent of me, a lawyer, trying to split an atom. Yes. Yes. Let me tell you, can't, I know this isn't a podcast about Comcast and Verizon, but I've got a story for you. <laughs> so I live here. I work from home. You've seen my workstation. I pay for the like super fast internet, whatever, right? Actually, Facebook does. Thank you. Shout out to Facebook. But still, like, I, I have like the nice internet package, whatever. Um, uh, like, I live in a kind of a new construction zone, so they're always installing new cable for the new people who move into the neighborhood. Well, when they do that, they bury the cable. Half the time when they bury the cable, they cut my cable. Okay. This has happened multiple times. I sit in this window and I can see them doing it, and my internet dies, and I go outside. And I go, can I see the hole? And there's my cable like this. I call Comcast. Hour and a half later, I finally get a human being on the phone. And I'm like, guys, 
You don't have to come inspect my internet. We don't need to go through the freaking like dog and pony show of resetting my router. I watched your man break my cable. I saw it with my own eyes. There's a hole in the front here in the garden. He broke the cable. Well, this is protocol. We got to go through this. So they punish you. They punish you for trying to make it easier for them. Like, take my word for it, man. Like, why would I want you to come here to fix a broken cable if I don't believe that it's a broken cable and saw it with my own eyes and then you'd be wasting my time? Well, anyway, long story short is uh, it never takes less than a week for them to come fix this thing. And you end up in this horrible scramble. And especially when you're working from home, it's a nightmare. It's a critical infrastructure. Like, I can't do my job. It's frustrating. Yeah, I, I have had trouble getting onto things. So I that that story is really frustrating, the cutting on the wire. <laughs> Cut my damn wire, man. Anyway. I don't know why it makes me think of this, but it also makes me think of like healthcare, dark patterns. And we're going to talk about this um, okay, in, in a couple of weeks, but, or in a couple of days rather. But uh, it, like how you have to fax your claim submission into a healthcare provider, like it's 2021. You're no, talking my- back something to you, like yeah. there's no email portal. There's no, there's no login. There's no like. It's a joke. Come no, on. my favorite is, and I don't want to call out any specific newspaper, but the New York Times. Um, you no, know, but like Wall Street Journal, they all they do these articles on like you know dark patterns and like how misleading they all are. Try to unsubscribe from the New York Times. Go ahead. Go, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Like, you know, it's like we're going to pick on the social media companies and their dark patterny ways. Sure. I don't think dark patterns have a place in the world and they're evil. And, you know, asking people to not leave is not a dark pattern. Right. But asking them 5000 times and making them call, write an email, send a letter and do all these things, send a fax just to unsubscribe is a dark pattern. And guess what? Some of the people out there talking the most aggressively about it engage in those same practices. Completely. And. And say what you want about Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google, whoever you want. Like, I can go find their privacy settings. Pretty yeah. easy. I can find yeah. them. Like, I can name you. Good luck finding the privacy settings in some sort uh, 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 on your cable provider's website. No chance. I mean, I've done it. It's good impossible. luck. Good luck. Good luck understanding their terms and conditions because there have 48 overlapping terms. Like... Right. You worked at Oracle and Salesforce, okay? So, like, you know, we're a little off topic here, but you worked at two of the companies that have multiple product lines that overlap and have hundreds different of thousands conditions. Yeah. And and you can go onto the Salesforce and Oracle website, and you can see the dates and the terms and conditions tied to every service. Like, it's not going to be easy, but you know, but it, it's also like you can choose to do things in certain ways, you know. Well, the most important thing I think is like understanding how controls interact is difficult. It's difficult for Facebook. It's difficult for Google. But at least to your point, there is an obvious effort to make it easy. I don't feel energy. Yeah, companies. But anyway, we'll see, man. I shout out to Verizon and Comcast. Don't cut my internet off. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, That's a little too hard on these people. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Shout out to those guys. Don't Uh, cut my internet off. Shout Um, out. Much love, Fios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Comcast. 
we're right here. Man. All right. Well, the conversation with Debbie had a little bit of uh, audio issues, but most of it was fine. So yeah. um, shout out to Fios for keeping it real for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. Look, at, a, look at us. Look at us backtracking. <laughs> <laughs> I've never walked backward more quickly. <laughs> Let's make sure all this goes on the podcast. Yeah, that's, like I just want to make sure that uh, Comcast understands how much I appreciate all of the infrastructure they've built <laughs> throughout the United States for yeah, broadband. Yeah, just historically, all the work. <laughs> Shout out to Comcast for being an innovator. Great people. Yeah, <laughs> solid. <laughs> let's. All right, all right man. Let's do it later. A hat for y'all. All right, here we are. Pedro, Pedro is I'm getting excited. Recording so is in a, progress. Is, is this a video podcast? Yeah, it we, is. We okay. Video, we do video. We do audio. We do okay. uh, voice print identification. <laughs> okay, nice. We sell transcripts of it um, as, as high literature. Yeah. You know. So, so Debbie. Absolutely. Debbie, you're in Illinois, so I this am. podcast is subject to the biometric. Uh, what is it, BIPA? Yeah, Biometric Information Privacy yeah. Act. Correct, you correct. You didn't collect your fingerprints ahead of time. That was our mistake. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. It's fine. Uh, great to have, have Debbie Reynolds with us. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited that you all invited me. and It was hard to wait so long, so I'm excited. We're, we're so popular, Debbie. We're booking out, you know, further. Yeah. <laughs> this is very prestigious, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> somebody was said somebody sent me a message the other day uh, on one of these apps and they're like hey caught a couple episodes of your podcast it's really great and my exact response was what part of it exactly is great because <laughs> <laughs> it's really just me andy and a friend goofing off for 40 minutes every time but i guess it's fine what did what did, well, I'm, I'm not to derail here but what did they say they liked about it uh, not, but look, they said it's like kind of like a lighthearted approach to tough issues. I thought that was nice. And I think that's fair. I mean, we try not to get too in the weeds. Like this isn't a technical podcast, you know, right. I mean, it's more of a like just conversational and, and, and honestly showcasing our guests is really what we try to do. Like we, we love and know almost every, well, we, we love and know everybody, every guest, but we knew most of our guests from before. Right. Like. And so it's really been like a lot of the time just us hanging out with our friends, which is awesome. Right. Like you. Yeah. 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 Totally. Our podcast we did together, people always comment to me about yeah, how much they really was, love it. So that was a great that was thank you for inviting me. That was so much fun. That was. Well You're you're kind of a podcast privacy podcast pioneer. Like uh, like <laughs> like legit though. Like you've been at this for your social media presence, in my opinion, is one of the very top, top kind of like content creation. You know, you're super active. You interact with lots of folks online. You have a great presence. You guys are like, oh, thank like, you, thank you, power. thank you. I think that's a good place to start, Pedro, because I think the same thing. And uh, Debbie, I'm, I'm curious, like, what what led you to start doing that? You know, I mean, that's a that's a choice. Yeah. That you yeah. You know, I've been interested in privacy for over 20 years, actually. Um, I a book reading in called Privacy, and Caroline Kennedy was a co-author of that book. And that 
notion just really fascinated her and it made me interested in it. So when I read the book, you know, I think, especially growing up in, in the US, you think, oh, we're the land of the free, the home of the brave. And then when you look at privacy, you're like, what? You know, people sort of assume that they have more rights than they do. So I've kind of been looking at this area for so long. And because I've looked at it for so long, I, I see all the, the cracks, right? I know all the gaps, all the cracks. And I felt like, you know, people weren't talking about the gaps. They weren't talking about the cracks. So I felt like, you know, my podcast, the the reason why I put it together is because I want to talk about the things that other people aren't talking about. Yeah, and I think you do a good job of that as well. Like even on our episode, like we went into parts and we went into the narrows, right? Like these yeah. parts of privacy <laughs> that like make a lot of people uncomfortable, right? Um, right. Uh, you know, like like uh, uh, equity, right? Like that's a real important topic when it comes to how we think about privacy that quite frankly, is now just picking up some steam. But even then, I, I, I just, I, I don't see enough of that. And then the other thing is like, the civil rights community has existed for so long, obviously done a tremendous job of advancing, uh, uh, I don't know, in the US, I'll speak, uh, advancing the goals of people who have been historically marginalized. Um, but the civil rights community and the privacy community have a lot of shared interests, but don't collaborate that much. No. Um, and so br bridging those two, I think, is important. And part of what I see in my work as a privacy professional is having worked in civil rights and immigration rights in the past. Um, I, I just, it's important. And I think you do a good job of weaving those topics and those themes into uh, uh, your posts and your podcasts and your work. And I think it's important. Yeah, I think sometimes people disconnect the the low part of privacy from the human part mm. so i try to bring that together so all my guests I always ask them you know not only their you know uh how they interact with privacy at work but like personally yes you know because this impacts all of us and i think you know we can't just have ivory tower conversations about privacy and think we're gonna solve this issue Totally agree. You know what I also, uh, this is super not substantive at all, but like your fancy <laughs> microphone, you're the second guest in a row that has a fancy microphone. Andy, we need to step up our game. Dude. Yeah, need, you have to get this. See mine? We need yeah. to get one of these mics. Do you see how clear and amazing oh, you have? You see mine? fancy too? You guys are fancy. Oh, yeah. oh that's cool. Yeah, that's I, nice. I never saw that one before. I, see that. I need to get, I want to get one like Debbie's though. Like I want one. Yeah. Like, this is a, it's called a blue, blue Yeti. Oh, okay. uh, it's, it's excellent. Yeah. Really good. I'm going to buy a mic, Andy, for next season. I'm going to get technically, uh, I'm going to technically evolve. You can afford one. Facebook pays you over. It helps. It isolates the sound. Facebook pays me exactly. $50 million a year. <laughs> so, you know, it's. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, this rug has been sitting here without a couch for two years. But anyway, please proceed. Oh my god. When Facebook oh hired you, you said I want the A Rod contract. <laughs> right, that's right. No, no, they 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 said yes, of course. Oh my god. No, no Debbie, no. Debbie, how did you approach? I was just gonna say, uh, go Debbie, how did you approach 
um, content creation, social media, you know, the data diva, like you, you obviously approach that with, with thought, you know, in, in how to like market. How'd you do yeah, that? Yeah. 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 Well, someone actually, a um, reporter from the Wall Street Journal gave me that nickname, Data Diva. I thought I could use it. So I started, I sort of snuck it on LinkedIn because well, I thought I was bashful about using it. And then it just blew up. People just start calling me from everywhere. Like, oh my God, I love that. So I started using it. But, you know, social media, you kind of have to pay yourself. You know, when you see a lot of people doing many different things, like I started, the first thing I started on LinkedIn, I would post like an article with a question. It was sort of like generate, um, conversation. Uh, and then eventually, you know, when CCPA came out, I decided uh, when the CCPA was about to go first, I thought, you know, nobody's really talking about this in the way that they need to be talking about it. So I decided to start doing video. So I do like a five minute video, you know, once a week um, that I release once a week, basically. And then, you know, a podcast, I really wanted to do it because, you know, even though I was doing a five minute video, I felt like I needed like a longer form thing to discuss with someone, you know, about stuff. And um, so that's how I did it. So people think I'm on social media all the time. And really what I do is I do content in bulk and then I put it out like, you know, so like I do, I do videos, I do, I record four videos uh, once a month and then I put them out once a week. And then podcasts, I try to be about six weeks ahead um, and then I put them out once a week. So it looks like I'm out there more. I'm just kind of like sprinkling things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you it works. I mean, it works. And like, I love the branding. Like Data Diva is an amazing, uh, just nom de plume. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a good it's a good war name and i i think it it works i mean your, your presence is out there it's clearly strategic and the most important part though there's a lot of phony people out here man i'm just gonna be real with you guys i mean mm -hmm. there's a lot of privacy fakers out there posting a lot of garbage like you know top 10 ccpas and then they just copy pasted it from somewhere there's a lot of people out there with a lot of social media presence that you can see right through Right. Um, uh, but I think you fall into a different category where like, there's clear substance and, you know, the, the showbiz. Uh, where our, or Andy and I's podcast has no substance whatsoever. And it's pure showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I'm kidding. But, like, you know, I think definitely people can sit and learn something from your five minutes. I mean, I have, so, uh, yeah, I'm oh, really proud you. of you. I think it's good work. People have told me that they use my videos to study for their like privacy tests yeah. or whatever. So I'm like, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's how good did, work. How did you find it, Debbie? How did you find privacy? And how did you like say to yourself, this is, this is my, my career. I'm going to create my thing. Yeah. You know what? I worked a lot with multinational corporations over the years with data movements. So I was in charge of a lot of uh, uh, technology and data stuff with, uh, you know, overseas. So a lot of stuff in Asia, a lot of in Europe, South America. And it, once kind of the GDPR started brewing, you know, before it came out, like a lot of those people and those corporations will start contacting me because they knew that I knew 
all these laws and how to do all this stuff. So uh, one of the uh, one of the the interesting things that happened that made me think that I need to move directly into privacy is that I was I was at a conference speaking in Chicago and, and and one from the government corporation asked me to come talk to their corporate legal department about privacy. And this was before the GDPR came out. And, you know, it was really interesting because I, I was like, yeah, okay, this thing is coming. You know, it's going to be a huge deal. A lot of people hadn't heard about it. Uh, so, uh, you know, that was kind of my the spark to say, you know, maybe that's should move privacy only, you know, it seems like it's a, a hot thing. And then a few years from then, uh, PBS called me up when GDPR came, um, went into full enforcement and asked me to speak on the news about it. And it was like, I, when they called me, I thought it was like a fun drive. I almost didn't answer the phone. Uh, but yeah, they were like, yeah, we want you to come talk on TV about this. So I was like, okay. So I showed up and it was funny uh, to actually do that. So, yeah, it's like a quest. Like everybody tells you, you know, you put makeup, you do this, you do that, and then I, it was so it was very surreal because I felt like the guy was talking really slow. Maybe it was just in my head. I'm like, what? He's so slow. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun to do. When you um, so you struck out on your own a yeah. couple years ago. Like how how does that decision happen? And like. What's your favorite part about being on your own? What's your least favorite part? Oh, great. Um, let's see. I, yeah, so I'm on my own for a couple years now. Uh, you know, I wanted to do privacy only, privacy and tech, right? So very few people that I know do both of those things. So it was kind of a bespoke thing and people, I had a lot of contacts and all different types of industries. So it was great uh, for, you know, a lot of people were really happy that I did that because they really wanted to work with me and other people. Um, the thing I love about it is that I think I can use so much more of my skills in my own business where I think if you're in a particular job, you've kind of fit in a box in a way, you know what I mean? So like, you know, like I like the, you know the marketing stuff that I do I do that myself the graphic stuff I do that's how I learned how to use computers so I do that all myself um you know so I like to speak I like to write so it lets me do all that I think the thing that that entrepreneurs uh uh at a pain point that entrepreneurs have is like I read this book a long time ago about entrepreneurship it's like when, when Friday is on a payday you know what I mean so <laughs> <laughs> because that's the downside where you know you're working on certain contracts or whatever it's not as um it's not as flowing uh as it would be if you're just you know in a, in a in a regular job so it's kind of a little bit less certain on that regard yeah you find you always have to be marketing yeah well it's for me, it's easy because I do, you know, you see the stuff I do, yeah. uh, but it works for me um, because I don't have to chase anybody, you know, people chase me, uh, which is great. That's so cool. um, that is what my, you know, my marketing has helped me do. So I, you know, where a lot of people say, okay, I have to call this company and try to get up to a decision maker. You know, I have decision makers, I have CEOs calling me 
saying, you know, I want to work with you and they, you know, have, have give the edict to their team and everything works out. So I, I enjoy that. That's great. What is, um, what's your favorite kind of stuff to work on? Like when a client calls you, like, what are you like really excited about when that's like, yeah, like, is that, does that even make sense? Like what's like yeah. the coolest work you do? I love, I love things in emerging technologies that people are doing. Like they're developing things that don't even have laws yet. You know, yeah. to me, that's really cool. Or, yeah. you know, they have a complex problem. Like I, you know, I want to sell my product in Sweden and I don't know how to, you know. So uh, uh, I like to, I like the complexity of that. You know, I'm a problem solver. And to me, I get excited about how we can do it. Cause I tell people, you know, instead of thinking of privacy as a tax, you know, think of it as an opportunity, you know, to get business and stuff like that. So, you know, my thing is you can respect privacy and make money. So. Yeah. Well, some people make money off of the privacy compliance itself, which is interesting. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. That's right. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. There's a hustle and everything. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of Carmen San Diego, traipsing around the world, like one thing you mentioned just now is interesting to me. I want to sell my product in Sweden. Like as as a solo person, how do you get a handle on the the incredible race of privacy laws that are like? happening all the time and you know we've got like a new one every day new new country like i'm always saying you know in my company it's like every we go beyond certain places every country has a different regime around privacy so like Uh there's gap assessments that has to be done there there's like a whole bunch of um, kind of market facing thought that needs to go into that um, how do you keep up on stuff and, and advise somebody when they come yeah. with you, like to a random question, like Sweden, you know, that's, yeah, totally. Uh, well, it helps that I've been watching this for so many years. So I've kind of learned it in layers, you know what I'm saying? So for me, you know, like a new law comes out, I'm just adding it to what I already know, you know, so I'm kind of building on that. Uh, but you know, as you know, you have to do a ton of reading, you know, you have to read a lot and figure out what the heck is going on in these countries. And, you know, also there's, you know, geopolitical things you have to consider as well that are not written. So, uh, so for me, I think it's fun. Um, I, I enjoy reading. I decided if, especially when I do my videos and I speak a lot, you know, I am constantly researching. So I never stop. So I decided I found out it was too hard to stop and start again. So I just, I'm constantly like researching. Uh, so master spreadsheet. No, you know what? I have a thing. I have a, I have an app that I use called Flipboard. So Flipboard. I love Flipboard say, so much. <laughs> I, oh my God, I can't live without that thing. So right, well, yeah. okay, let's evangelize flap Flipboard for a while here. I don't, I don't. Yes. Oh my but God, I, I can't. You don't use Flipboard? No, I love it. I use it every day. Every day. Every day. Every single day. Every day. Every day. I, I use it every single day, but it lets you create magazines yep. on your own. Like, so they're I really create... cool, man. Like, it's a beautiful content curation. <laughs> Data Protection app. Breakfast Club brought to you by Flipboard. By Flipboard. Yeah. So, I basically I have a research file that I have oh. in Flipboard that I 
you know, save stuff too. So I say like I have a video, like I think it's some of those good video idea, I save it there, research idea. So I, I, you know, accumulate stuff there and then I read through, you know, everything. So that helps me a lot. And I've been doing that for as long as they've, as long as Flipboard has existed, I've done that. How interesting, Debbie, that you do that because I literally do the exact same thing and use Flipboard and the exact, I, I use it for other types of research because I'm interested in so many things, but I have like my privacy uh, magazine. It's got 15 years or t I don't know how long I've had Flipboard, but it's been right. a long time. Are you, 10, are you 15 years so stuff. Let's yeah. drill down. I, this is interesting and I want to drill down for people that listen to this that do this shit every day <laughs> like mm -hmm. meaning like how are you using flipboard go one level deeper like okay i yeah. you find an iapp article that you find interesting or you find a interview well, here's how it works for me how do you, and how I, do you i'd love to it? hear how you do how it how does it organize it yeah i'd love mm -hmm. to hear how you do it wc how we do it the same or different so you create magazines based on topics you're interested in right yeah so like i'm interested in data privacy big data ai these things whatever you put your interest topics and it generates a magazines for you Right. And then you flip through that content when you find some when I find something particularly compelling or interesting or that I want to be able to cite back to or do a deeper dive on. I add it to my own personal magazine and it's there forever. It's just That's right. There. That's how I do it. Debbie, do yeah. you do it like that? Or do you do something I like do that? it like that. But then also, you know, you can throw things in the flipboard that aren't on flipboard. So right. I'll be looking at other sources and I can yes. flip it into a flipboard yes. magazine. Absolutely. Yes. So yeah, you cool. also do this. You also do this with personal stuff, like. Oh yeah. yes, I do it for Tupac, Formula One. I do it for like sneakers. I do yeah. it for all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Flipboard yeah. is cool because if you tell it your interests, so you're constantly curating, right? You're yeah. constantly tuning what you wanted to give you or whatever. And so it'll bubble up stuff that you probably wouldn't have been able to find on your own. Yeah. You know, like what magazines you that you weren't even looking at. So I love, I love that we're diving deep on something like this because it's not something people talk about very often. Like, how do you tactically organize the amount of information that is is being pushed at particularly privacy people, but kind of everybody, right? Um, it's interesting. Do what other? I can't. I can't live without this app. I've used it so what long. What I use it happened? every day. What else, Debbie, for you and Pedro? What else? What other apps can you not live without? I mean, I can give you a couple from my seat too, but uh, Twitter, Twitter, and Twitter lists for me are for <laughs> like my Twitter list. Like when I wanted, so I have all these private Twitter lists, and I I should make them public because when they were public, people would follow them. But like then I was like, nah, I did all this work here. You don't get to free ride. But like <laughs> I've got like, look, I've got just like press privacy press and it's all the privacy press talking heads in one big list and if i want to know what the hot topic of the week is especially working at facebook it's important so how, I does just that, how does that work how do you curate that in in twitter you like well you go you're on twitter you find like you know like let's say a so-and-so writer at TechCrunch, and then i you just i just add them to my privacy press list yeah. and so now my privacy press list has like 300 people in it so when i go I can see really quickly what the media is talking about today or this week or whatever. I do the same thing for sneakers. Like I'm always on the lookout for the next drop, right? Well, there's no better place to be on top than, than Twitter. I do the same thing for music. Like I've got like every rapper that I'm interested in in one list. The good thing is I don't have to follow all these people. They're just in my list. So when right. I'm interested in this topic, I just go to my list. That's how That's I, Twitter really for me is also nice. That's nice. You don't have to see you know, the fact that they're a, a post that you don't care so much about. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. 
Who I want another thing. I I also follow a lot of uh, writers, but I do that on like uh, LinkedIn and on Flipboard. So there are certain writers, you know, tech and privacy that I'm really interested in. Um, so I follow those folks as well. And a lot of times I'm, you know, especially I post up an article about them. I make sure I tag them on it. And a lot of times we chat, you know, like I have, I have a lot of press folks that call me up. You know, I get interviewed a lot in the press. So I try to keep up with what they are doing and stuff. Yeah. And the other thing, Andy, and you're a part of this, but like, like WhatsApp chat groups and signal chat groups, like keeping up with like particular, hey, keeping up with like particular, <laughs> I like how she just appears. Yeah, <laughs> right. That was cute. <laughs> That's cute. But they're like, the, the, don't undervalue, I, tremendous value I get from like, chat groups like like my privacy chat group my like atlanta chat group my whatever like it's just it's a lot of value from those like kind of private interpersonal yeah. i don't know I don't, I don't know what to call it it's not really social media but it's just more groups and i don't want to make a plug for facebook but i'm gonna because facebook groups is a powerful place yes there's always controversy and all this stuff but some of the facebook groups are so substantive and so deep that there's a lot of interesting conversations happening and a lot of good content um so anyway i'm usually overwhelmed do you feel overwhelmed with like all this stuff? i always feel like i'm missing out on all the important stuff even if i spend the whole day reading which is rare i can never do that but um, yeah i'm always feeling like i'm behind you know yeah i always feel like i have a proverbial stack of stuff that I have to read through absolutely but at least I can at least I can flag it or tag it in some way where I can find it fast and, you know I have a lot of friends that put up a lot of cool content I don't know you know uh, Luis um, Montezuma in Brazil he puts a ton of content up on LinkedIn so he you know he put, his stuff he puts up a lot of documents documentation so like if you're trying to find, oh, this is what they said in, you know, in uh in Brussels about X, you know what I mean? Like he'll have the actual document on his LinkedIn. So I like to go to his things. He does that. So that helps. Lewis, if you're watching, I you just got a, a friend request on LinkedIn. So yeah, he's amazing. He's we amazing. have a, we have two hundred and nine mutual connections. So I feel, like, yeah, I feel like we probably should have known each other. I'm kind of sad about this. I feel like I'm not using Twitter and I'm not using some of these tools and I should, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it enough. Like I'm, I'm not optimized, you know, on, on Twitter. I do agree that Twitter is a really good source and, yeah. and LinkedIn clearly, like I find myself, you know, being frustrated by, but, but some of the content as well on both of those, but mm -hmm. you know, I've also been listening to podcasts a lot lately, not about privacy necessarily because Frankly, we get enough of it here, but yeah. uh, and and with conversations at work and things. But I really like podcasts for like tangentially related topics. If yeah. I can find someone that re I'm really interested in their opinion, and I can mm -hmm. test it in 15 minutes while I'm doing the dishes or or whatever, it feels really valuable. Even if I'm not saving something in a Flipboard, I also see the value to you know going back and saving something there. But um, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm auditory that way. But uh, it's been really, like, I've been really interested in, like, 
board of directors dynamics lately. Oh, cool. You know? So I've been listening to like. Wow, Andy, we need uh, to find you some better interests. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> For a pod, you know, like in, in in the business podcast realm, it is interesting. You hear from a lot yeah, of yeah, of course. Oh yeah. Investors and things that sit on boards, and that's kind of an interesting thing to hear. But but other topics, you know, the same the same way, um, technology or or uh, or yeah. art, science or whatever. What, what what let me ask both of you this like what is a topic or issue area or just interest that you have outside of privacy and data security data protection that you follow almost as closely it doesn't have to be something substantive mm-hmm. but like for me i would say it's a toss-up between like motorsports which i follow really closely yeah. and like hip-hop culture mm-hmm, things mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I think those are two things that like dominate my attention mm-hmm. when I'm not at work what about mm-hmm, you guys mm-hmm. uh let's see I love shopping I follow stuff you know like I like vintage stuff new stuff you know I like what I like so to me it doesn't matter where it comes from so I kind of stock certain things um you know I'm extraordinarily patient so i can uh, wait out quite a lot uh, to get certain things do you so, do you do like yeah, bidding do. like auction stuff like or i um i don't auction so i don't sell stuff but i buy stuff so i oh, try okay. to do deals with people like literally like my scarves i wear like some of these i've like had to negotiate with people for years like two, <laughs> yeah. i have one that i the scarf I wear on my podcast thing I put on, like I've negotiated with this lady for two years. If that's really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm extraordinarily patient. <laughs> so me and her came to a meeting of the mind. It just took us a while. Remind me to never try to sell something to Debbie, man. No, so, no. I'm no. going to end up paying her for my I'm long, I'm long game all day. <laughs> that's awesome. What about you, Andy? Like, what's your, like, non-work related uh, few things i mean uh like if i think about what what i'm listening to or what i'm watching or content wise or on twitter for example there's a lot of, there's a lot of pizza content <laughs> and i and i and i and i mean that like i i mean that like i i'm i'm into what they do in italy and how it was invented yeah. like what kind of tomatoes they're using and you know i watch the Stanley Tucci show on CNN where he travels around. I hear that's really good, by the way. It's a great show. And he's like, he's like, tell me about these tomatoes. You know, <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know that, that, that and co- like sort of cooking in general, but within that sub sub genre of pizza for sure. And then I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe one or two others, but though, you know, that, that's, yeah. that's I like cooking stuff too, so yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I was. Uh, I will say, Andy, like your Instagram cooking content's pretty strong. Had a lot of time on my hands, guys. Yeah, it's pretty strong, man. Huh? Like, really we cool. were home, yeah. you know. I wasn't commuting anymore, and plus, my seven-year-old who popped onto the screen here started to enjoy baking, and that's a good thing to do. Nice. With. Yes. Um, so oh, absolutely. Yeah. We get some fun yes. out of doing that together. Debbie, you mentioned the scarves. Uh, and I was going to ask you about them. I know we talked about it on your own podcast, but like, um, how'd you pick up the scarf as the scarf as your signature item? Because it definitely is. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know what? I've always loved scarves. You know, growing up, my uh, my 
mother and the women in my family wear scarves and I thought they looked so elegant, you know, so I have an aunt that used to collect them and she would give them to me even when I was like a teenager. And then when I got older, I tried to figure out what my look was going to be, you know, whatever. And then to me, I found scars to be fun because you can change them out really fast or whatever. And then now, like, I, as I say, I do it for sport. So I, certain ones I really like that I want to collect, you know, that come out um, that I, you know, and I get them from all over the world. <laughs> What about, so to me it's fun to what about fun. your 80s what about your 80s fashion this is an 80s show we, we got to wrap soon so like maybe a good way to close it out is uh what's your what was your favorite 80s fashion or do you bring it back do you what do you wear now that maybe is similar uh that's a good question i don't know i don't even remember what we were wearing in the 80s i think we were wearing like uh, um uh, neon colors and stuff like that. The the one thing I remember, maybe I'm messing up the '90s, but you remember how they do videos and everything would be slanted? You know, that was like an '80s thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I remember the pictures we were taking. Everything would be like sideways. What was the movie? Uh, hey Pedro, you have Tupac behind you. Like, do you remember the movie Juice when he had a his oh, hair went sideways? Yeah, he had the high top fade yeah. with the with the with the angle. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, do you remember that, Pedro? All the videos. Oh yeah, the angle. Sideways. Yeah. <laughs> even the dancing, even the dancing was angular in a way. Like, and then it bled into the '90s. You're right. Right. Um, exactly. I, you know, I, I mean, I was a little kid in the '80s, but I definitely do, and I love bright colors, as you can see by my mm -hmm. painting and other things. But and mm -hmm. and you know I do because you've seen me and then all you know whatever. I feel like the last 10 years or so have been kind of like, I'm not a fashionista, but like subdued. Like, oh, absolutely. I, we, I want a color explosion. Yeah. And I'm hoping that when we come out of this pandemic, that people will just be thirsty for expression and, right. and all this other stuff. Because I think it's interesting. I go, look, I'll give you an example. When I go to the IAPP conference, that is not exactly, you know, Milan, okay? Right. Um, uh, but like <laughs> people, people are so afraid in our profession and in our you know, uh, practice or whatever to express themselves in the way they dress or in like, for example, just having a signature item. Like I find this so beautiful. It adds so much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But like it enriches, it experiences so much for me. And maybe that's just me, but like a room full of gray suits is just not a room, an, an inviting space for me at all. Yeah. I would get excited when I see a guy that had a shirt that wasn't white or blue. So I'm like, <laughs> that light blue. <laughs> you know, like I see a guy with like a lavender shirt, I'd be so excited. I'm like, you're making my eyeballs happy. So I'm not looking at the same thing all the time. Yeah. Pedro and I committed, committed to each other several years ago that if we were going to speak together, on a panel that we would wear sneakers and we would wear the oh. brightest the brightest sneakers we can possibly find and we'd be generally be dressed sort of like you know re relatively similar to our normal dress during the day but then have have good sneakers on just so that people know we're not uptight <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like i, I think we're, we have some privilege obviously like where we are in the profession and like all these things that we can do this you know yeah um but like i think we should exercise that privilege and make the next you know, the next crew coming through not feel like they have to conform and that they can express themselves. And like, I, I just want that. I want that energy. And I will say, and I said this on the last recording, I think this explosion of women in the privacy space, 
is bringing a lot of uh, creative energy uh, to our profession that I very much welcome, right? A yeah. lot of expression, a lot of creativity, a lot of new ideas. Um, and I think it's a powerful change uh, and a welcome one for what we do. And, and, and hopefully uh, it'll continue to grow and, and trend in that direction. Well, one thing that I do too at conferences, I've been doing this for many years, instead of wearing like shoes that hurt, which I have those, right? Uh, all of us have those. I wear, I have like, I like Prada sneakers. So I wear some, I would, that's what I wear to a conference. I'll be dressed and then I have my Prada sneaker on. Yep, uh, absolutely. Andy, the first time we speak together, actually we should, the three of us should do a panel. Oh and yeah, absolutely. We should wear Crocs. Oh. <laughs> One hundred. We're doing it, <laughs> and you can wear your Prada oh, sneakers. You don't have to rock. Well, you know what we should do? You know what we should do? <laughs> that would be funny. When, when we get onto the panel, we'll be in relax mode. Yes. Yes. The, the strap in the front, and then for the panel, <laughs> we'll have to flip it back to tactical mode. Into combat mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Into support mode. <laughs> Yes, yes. I, I think we have to do it. I think we have yeah. to do it. On that note, let's put a proposal out there, Andy, for like the next IPP or whatever. Debbie, if you're down, I think we should do something together. That's right. I think we should, we should. expressly call out Crocs. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, right. For sure. It'll be part exactly. of the agenda. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Debbie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Debbie.